We are in a second week of our series, Passion. And uh, last week we started it and just talking about, we're really talking about romantic passion, not just passion for a sports team or passion for ice fishing. We're talking about romantic passion. And uh, last week and today specifically, we're talking about passion within marriage. And one, we, one thing we said last week to set up this entire idea is to think about passion being the heat source for your home and passion being the heat source for your marriage. Uh, a cold home is not fun. Last night, I, we turned, I turned off our pellet stove because a couple of nights before, I had to turn it off in the middle of the night because it got too hot. So our house was 58 degrees when we woke up. A cold home is not fun, but a cold marriage is worse than the coldest of homes. And uh, I've slept in igloos when it was negative nine degrees out. Uh, that's more fun than a cold marriage. Because Michelle and I actually have had some, some rough seasons in the 11 years we've been married. And I would never want to go back to those days. And uh, so it forces me to be quick to forgive, quick to repent. Because um, three hours of a cold marriage is too long for me. And I hope it's too long for you. And maybe you've been living in one for years and you're just trying to figure out how to escape. I, I, I want you to change your perspective on that. And I want you to begin to ask God, God, is there something you can rekindle? God, is there something you can ignite? God, is there something you can change that will change this relationship, that will change our marriage, that will change my heart? And... And we know that he will. We know it is his will. We know that it is his plan. And I want you to ask him for that and believe him for that. As we think about marriage and passion in, in marriage, Michelle and I had uh, a, a group of, uh, we had some friends. They were married as well. And so we um, we started to get together with them quite regularly, uh, going out to dinner with them, uh, going to events with them. They were starting to become really good friends of ours. They were the friends that introduced us to Thai food and taught us what things to order. And uh, so we're forever grateful to them. And sometimes you get around people and you kind of can tell they don't have a really good marriage, but we never gathered that from these friends. Uh, they always laughed at each other's jokes. They had a lot of history. Um, I, had, I had gone to high school with them. So they, had no, we, they just were high school sweethearts, and they'd known each other for such a long time. And anyway, they were fun to be around. Well, I was absolutely shocked when he called me one day after we had just hung out with them the week before, and he said, I just discovered my wife has been having an affair on me. And he said, I'll, she started to act weird this week in an in, in uncharacteristic way, and, um, and she was hiding her phone from me, which she had never done before. So while she was taking the shower, I checked her phone, and sure enough, all the evidence was there. She's having an affair. When I confronted her on this, she's left. She hasn't talked to me since. Um, fast forward, uh, she, she never tried to reconcile. Uh, the marriage uh, ended in divorce. Uh, he was absolutely devastated because they had been in a relationship, dating and married for over 15 years. And we were shocked because in our times hanging out with them, 
there was never any inclination that she was unhappy or that she was uh, even would even consider pursuing another relationship. The thing that I want to want to try to uh, talk about today is maybe you've never been in a in a church service where they've talked about it. We're talking about passion, and and what I want to talk about is. What happens if you have a burning passion for someone other than your spouse? How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you keep yourself from ever having to deal with that? There's a bunch of different people in the room. There are those of you who are married and you, would, you have never thought for one second about having an affair on your spouse or leaving them for someone else. Now... There are those of you in this room who are currently in an affair and you haven't been caught yet. Your spouse hasn't caught, your coworkers haven't figured it out, and it's a game that you think it's just only two people know about. But there are people within our church who are in an affair. I don't know who. I'd call you out <laughs> right now <laughs> amongst all of our locations. <laughs> and then there are those of you who are closer to having an affair than you think you are. There's just a thought life that's begun to go astray. There's a pattern that's begun to develop. And you are, you are closer than you think. Obviously, there's... Single people in here, there are newlyweds in here, there are those who never marry, and, and the issue of, 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 uh, of honoring God with our sexuality is true for those of you who are single, and uh, it's true for those of you who are engaged, but people who are engaged don't think, hey, let's unite ourselves in marriage to one day have an affair on each other. No, they're saying, you are, you, I'm making a commitment to you and to you only, so even if you're engaged, you want to listen intently because you want to make sure you're cultivating passion in your marriage and you're not cultivating it in relationships outside of your marriage. Because sometimes you just even begin to light fires and passions outside of your marriage almost on accident or almost innocently. Yesterday, I walked into the living room and my four-year-old had one of those lighters that's a blowtorch and he had it lit. <laughs> so maybe you're like that. You're just walking around smiling at everybody, kissing everybody on the lips and you have no idea what you're doing. We get in these places where we have a burning passion towards someone other than our spouse and all of a sudden it's there. And we see a passion, and we're comparing that to a cold marriage, and it seems like I need to go where the passion is. And also, it can seem like it's out of control. You can't, you can't put this fire out because it's bringing you happiness. You also, you, what people say is, I can't control who I love, and I can't, I, you know, and I can't stop what's developing here. And so they continue to add fire to it and add fuel to it. And they just say, there's no way I can ever stop it. The question that we should all think as married individuals, as engaged individuals, as people who 
one day want to be married, the question we have to ask ourselves and, and really probably keep in front of ourselves every day and uh, at every moment of temptation is do you really want to trade a moment of pleasure for a lifetime of regret? Because to pursue that pleasure, to pursue that passion, to pursue that fire is going to leave devastation, is going to lead to disaster, is going to lead to regret. There will be a day where you regret what you've done to your life, to your spouse, to your kids, to your Lord. Think of it, think of it like this. Let's try to put this in a, a real world illustration that has nothing to do with marriage or passion to begin to help us understand the implications of this. In 1991, we know none of our interns and barely any of our location pastors were alive at that point. Um, in 1991, there was a war that we were involved with. Uh, it was Operation Desert Storm. For those of you who were alive during that time period, um, you remember that one of the things that Saddam Hussein began to do was he was lighting the, uh, the oil wells on fire throughout Kuwait. And a few different reasons why he might have been doing it. It was to create a smoke screen. It was to create a diversion. It was to create more work for the coalition forces. It was just to be a jerk, which obviously we know was probably part of his intent. Um, uh, but he lived between, uh, some say over 700, but between 600 for sure, and 700 oil wells on fire. Lit them on fire. They were almost impossible to put out. And they begin to deliberate, well, what if we just let them burn on their own and uh, let them burn out? But between, it would take between two years and five years for these oil wells to extinguish themselves. And so it was a big deal. It was causing all kinds of pollution. They were predicting nuclear winter, if you remember that. And it was all kinds of uh, catastrophic climate developments that they were predicting if these fires didn't get put out. In a fair... Is like an oil well fire. It is, uh, it is wasteful. It is polluting. An affair pollutes your heart and pollutes the relationships that you love. And it is dangerous. It seems to go out of control. It's very crazy. Very, you just throw away a 15-year relationship with your high school sweetheart like that. It's dangerous. If we think about... Marriage and passion, though, marriage is, has a source of passion in it that's like an oil field. It is expansive. It is valuable. And it takes some work to mine it and refine it. But there is something that exists in your marriage that is far greater and has far more benefit to you than this affair and this oil welfare. As you grab your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Proverbs. You begin to open there, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 6. And there's something I want us to learn today. Every single one of us, whether you're married or single, whether you're divorced or not, whether you've had an affair that you regret or you haven't, I want us to learn something. So we think about passion if it's valuable, if it's something that God has for us, if it's something to be enjoyed, if it's something that, uh, that God ordained for us in our marriage relationship, 
And the question to ask is, how do we protect that passion? How do we protect something that's so vital to having a godly marriage and a godly relationship? As you turn to Proverbs chapter 6, last week we read out of the Song of Solomon. And this Today we're in a different book, the book of Proverbs, but it's the same author. Same author, different book, and he's writing from different perspectives. Song of Solomon is more poetic, talking about just the bliss and the joy of a, mari- of, uh, marriage, of a married sexual relationship. And this is just a book of wisdom. And in this part we're about to read, it is warning of adultery. And he's giving a warning of having an affair. And the first thing that we begin to see, and we'll read verse number 25, but you keep your Bibles open because we'll look at a few different verses in this, in this chapter. The first thing that we see is that uh, Solomon is warning us to extinguish, to extinguish flames that should not be lit. We read this here in verse number 25. It says right here at the very beginning, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. Last week we talked in our in the series, if we talk about the easiest time to start a fire is before it goes out. So if you're married and there's still any bit of embers in that relationship, begin to put wood on that fire again and it will ignite again. It's the easiest time to start a fire is before the next one goes out. But also, if we look at this week in our subject matter of this week, the easiest time to put out the fire. The easiest time to put out the fire of an affair is before it's ever lit. And this is the advice that Solomon's giving. Put out the fire before it ever develops into anything. Put out the fire, like keep your eyes out of the situation. And if you're able as a man to keep your eyes out of the situation, it's going to be easier to extinguish a fire before it ever happens. You think about a little candle and you've got those uh, little devices to put out the candle. Your eyelids almost work in that same way when you see something that is alluring and you simply close your eyes or avert your eyes. It's immediately extinguishing a flame. But to sit and to, and to, uh, and to spectate is beginning to add, is beginning to increase a flame. Solomon's saying, keep your eyes out of it. Don't look lustfully after her and don't let her stare back at you trying to lure you in this is obviously true for either gender somehow in our culture it's okay it's become okay even for christian women to talk about what about who they who they admire physically and um uh and it comes cross-generationally, I overheard a conversation in the last month between two Christians, one lady in her 60s and one lady in her 20s, and they were talking about some guy on TV being good-looking and being a babe. And I would think, I've never heard a conversation like that in our church between two Christian men who are one in their 60s and one in their 20s, and they're just in casual conversation around their pastor saying, hey, did you see that lady on TV? And uh, yeah, she's really good looking and just, but somehow it's been okay for the other. But listen, if you're going to, if you're going to uh, um, 
uh, develop and keep the passion in your marriage going, then you keep your eyes out of it. You don't look to enjoy. You don't say it's just to look, look but don't touch, which is something that our culture says is permissible. No, you say, I'm not even going to allow a, a spark or a flame to develop. A couple other places in the Bible that talks about this. One guy named Job, he's the, um, uh, anyway, he, he, you can read about his life. It's unbelievable the things that he went through. But he said this, he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes, a contract, a spiritual contract with my eyes, not to look lustfully at a woman. And what he's saying is, I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm going to honor my wife with our covenant of marriage. So I've made a covenant with my eyes. I'm, I'm going to put out a flame before it could ever start. Jesus, Jesus himself speaking and giving teaching, uh, trying to help people understand um, how important this issue is. He said, if you even, if you look lustfully at a woman, then you've already committed adultery with her. Uh, that creates all kinds of spiritual implications for us or people who are following Jesus. Obviously, we, can't, we cannot say uh, it's okay to look but not touch because Jesus says to look is the same sin as touching. It is sin. It is um, it is wrong. It is something that has spiritual implications for you and your life. So how do we protect our passion? We extinguish side passions and side flames before they ever have a chance to start. One way that's helpful in extinguishing passions because maybe it's just a coworker, and when they walk in, you get a feeling. So it's nothing beyond that. You just, you're so happy to see them. You have to begin to see and recognize that for what it is. And one way that we're able to put out oil well fires is by looking at the value of what you have and the value of what you already have. If they decided in Kuwait to just let the oil wells burn out on their own, if it would have taken two to five years, um, Kuwait would have lost billions in oil revenue, billions of dollars in oil revenue. And if you're going to begin to think, what is it for me to keep entertaining this thought? What is it for me to keep entertaining this relationship, to keep flirting, to keep smiling, to keep uh, sharing my emotions with this person? What is the cost going to be, but also just begin to realize what is the value of what I have. I could light this on fire, but there's something more valuable that I have. You have to consider the value of your family. What is it going to cost you and your family for you to pursue this relationship? In verse number 27, Solomon continues to write, and he's talking about affairs here. And he says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Solomon's writing here to his perspective of his son, but this is true for either gender. 
Can a man or can a woman scoop fire onto their lap without being burned? And this wisdom here is brilliant. Where we begin to think this is not hurting anybody, this is not making a difference. No, it causes devastation. It causes heartache. It causes deep hurt. To enter into an affair is to play with fire and you will surely be burned. This is what he's communicating. I, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, might have been three years ago now. In one of our series, we talked about having a vision for your marriage. To say, who is it that we want to be 40 years from now? What is it that we want our relationship to look like in the next decade? And allowing that to be something that drives you in your marriage. And I would like you to have a vision of a Thanksgiving day, 25, 30, 40 years from now, where you're all there. You and your spouse and your kids and your grandkids. And it's not one Thanksgiving where you're there, where they're with you, and one Thanksgiving where they're not with you. Now, again, I know this is difficult for some people because you've gone through divorce. God's a God of reconciliation. Some of you are on the tragedy side of an affair. And so there's deep wounds there. God is a God who heals. God is a God who restores. You're in a marriage. Now, what is it that you're living for? What is it, what is it that you hope that you'll have? And you fight together for that not against each other, to get what you want. Not only do we consider the value of our family, and oftentimes that's motivating to us to put out flames. You say, listen, I may be in a cold marriage, but I'm not ready to burn the house down. We also look at the value of our relationship with Jesus. Having an affair will affect your relationship with God. It, 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 I mean, um, when God wrote the Ten Commandments, and he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, one of the commandments in there was, thou shalt not commit adultery. It has spiritual implications in your life and your relationship with him. It is something that is sin. We try to convince ourselves that because it makes us happy, because we've been neglected, uh, that it's okay, and that when we tell ourselves this false doctrine that God just wants me to be happy. Listen, that is, a, that is not true. God's desire is not for your happiness. God's desire is for your holiness. He didn't have his son killed on a cross so you could be happy. He had his son uh, executed on a cross so you could be holy. When God looks at you, he doesn't see happiness. When he looks at you now after you've given your life to him, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So you may be miserable, but God says that he gives us the joy that, that, that is our strength. 
So he gives you a joy that is your strength in a miserable marriage. He doesn't call you, hey, you just need to end that. Go find someone else who makes you happy. Go find someone else who cleans up after themselves. Go find someone else who makes more money. Go find someone else who talks more. Go find someone else who, who is more physically fit. Go find, he doesn't tell us to do that because that's not his concern for us. In verse number 32 in this passage of scripture, Solomon writes, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's just destroying things that are more valuable. But he says, whoever does this destroys himself. Depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it says a man who commits an affair destroys his own soul. You, you say, this is, I'm pursuing this is making me happy, but you are destroying your soul. <clears throat> to commit a sin is not only a sin against God and others, but it's a sin against your own soul. It's destructive to you, the very thing you think is bringing you happiness. When someone is confronted with this, their response is not always repentance, but sometimes their response is blame. It's blame. Uh, it's blame on the mistress, it's blame on the wife, it's blame on his lust, it's blame on his desires, it's blame on the devil, it's blame on, on, on circumstances, maybe even blaming God because God didn't change my marriage, God didn't change my spouse, so I didn't have a choice. I wasn't, what am I going to do, be miserable the next, you, you know, the next 60 years of my life? We see clearly in the scripture, the blame is on the adulterer. You've made the decision. You've lit the oil well farm, and, and, and now you have to deal with that. Last week we talked about, uh, about if you're going to cultivate a fire in your marriage, you need good fuel, fuel of emotional connectedness, physical connectedness, and then spiritual connectedness. And in a fair, you may feel an emotional connectedness. There is a physical connectedness there, but there cannot and there will not and there never will be a spiritual connectedness, a godly spiritual connectedness in that relationship without repentance. And um, because to, to commit an affair, we just read, is to be spiritually dead. And it brings spiritual death. Now, th that's a whole bunch of heaviness, and some of you are feeling just absolute, absolutely worthless. And that's not how I want you to walk out of here. If you're in a fair, you need to get a counselor, and you need to confess, and you need to deal with the consequences. Yeah, they, they might leave you. They might not. Um, you, need to, you need to deal with that. Some of you are just, you're just living with regret. This is just heaping more condemnation upon you. And listen, if you've repented to God, if you've repented to your ex, if you've repented to your kids, um, yeah, I think there's always going to be a little bit of regret there, but don't let the enemy just sabotage you or get you to walk away from God because that's, how he's gonna, that's what he's going to try to do. If you're in a relationship, just think you need just you need to be aware how quickly and how innocently 
you can start something that you can't put out. Like my four-year-old walking around with a blowtorch. You're just walking around your workplace. You're walking around your neighborhood. You're walking around these friendships. And eventually something's going to catch fire. And we're just going to say, let's put away the lighters. Let's put away, let's, let's close our eyelids. Let's extinguish some flames because we've got an oil well in our marriage. We've got a source of passion that will meet all of our needs and more. And if we mine it and refine it and cultivate it and don't give up on it, it's going to bring greater joy to you than any affair. It's going to bring greater pleasure to you than any affair. It's going to be life-giving to you instead of soul-destroying. It's going to be something that becomes a point of heritage for your kids and their kids to talk about your marriage and your relationship rather than being a talking point. In, uh, in the oil well fires, what happened at the, at the end of it, and one of the, the most effective ways they discovered to put out these fires was to, was to stick dynamite, 55-gallon drums of dynamite into the oil well. And so they would uh, have it insulated so it wouldn't catch fire immediately, so they'd get as close to the entry point of the flame as possible. And when the dynamite would get in there, it would explode which would consume all of the oxygen, which would expel all of the fuel, and then the fires would go out. Just imagine that. Immediate drastic action was what it took. No, no throwing water on it wasn't helping. Um, it was too hot to try to cap it. So that's what they did, and that was the most effective uh, tool that they had. If you're someone and there's a fire burning, it just may be someone you're thinking about. It may just be someone you started a text message. Nothing, nothing has happened I, I want you to stick dynamite in that relationship. Put dynamite on that fire to expel all the fuel, kill all the thoughts that you're having, to uh, put distance between you and the source, kill every text message, every Facebook message, um, to just end it. Not say, oh, I'll be more careful, or I would never do that. Put dynamite in that relationship and end it. Don't go back to it. And instead... Let a fire of passion within your marriage. A passionate marriage is a protected marriage. As you and your spouse grow more in love, as the flames of passion grow brighter and brighter, in the seasons where, where it takes time to refuel and you just need to uh, uh, get a babysitter, you need to take a vacation, you need to go to counseling, do whatever it takes to keep that fire burning and to add more good fuel to that not to pursue any other avenue. Will you close your eyes and give me opportunity to pray for you? Jesus, what we don't want to have happen in a message like this is for people to just feel defeated and to feel worthless. We don't want the enemy to come in and to harass people and to hurt people, reminding them of their, maybe their failures as a spouse, to um, uh, maybe reminding them of decisions that they made before Christ or decisions that they have um, already repented of um, and just using that to uh, say they're not good enough for you, you'd never love them. That's not true. 
while we were still your enemies, Jesus came and died for us. Before we ever said we would follow you, you came and made a way for us. You love us. You forgive us when we're repentant. I just pray, Lord, for healing in people's hearts who have been, who have discovered their spouse has had an affair. I pray, Lord, in a deep way, you touch their heart. Bind their wounds. And move in their life. Lord, for the people in our church who are just filled with pride and they think, oh, I'll never have an affair. This pastor is old-fashioned. He just doesn't get it. Man, I just pray you'd speak to them through your word. They would realize the value of what they have in their relationship and in their, in their relationship with you. They'd put up precautions to make sure that they continue to enjoy what they enjoy now. And Lord God, for anybody in here who's, who's in an affair, we pray that they would feel a deep conviction from your Holy Spirit. It's not a fun thing to feel, but God, it's a rescuing thing to feel. That they'd have the courage to put dynamite in that relationship and end it. And to get a counselor and to confess before their spouse, confess before a pastor or a circle leader and to get help. I just pray, Lord, you give spouses who maybe are going to discover an affair, give them a grace. Also, God, give, just give them, um, uh, give them a courage to know what to do. And, um, and we just pray, Lord, for miracles, for oil wildfires to go out, for passion within marriage to develop. And may our marriages experience every good, godly, and holy thing that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.